If you're an accredited investor looking for an incredible opportunity to invest your money, I have exactly what you're looking for. I have put together a fund where we are loaning money to fix and flip investors for their investment properties. And I'm looking for investors right now. We provide steady income for our investors. We are focused on capital preservation. We have minimum target of returns that we plan on giving back to our investors. And this opportunity is incredible. Like I said, this fund is lending to the best of the best. And we're looking for people to come aboard and be investors and go along for the ride as this thing grows. I'm super excited about it. Right now, we're only talking to accredited investors. So if that's you and you want more information, reach out to me at mike at juststartrealestate.com and I will get you all the information. Guys, this fund is amazing and we are so different from everybody else. And one of the biggest differences, we don't just lend money to anybody. Anybody who comes along with an application doesn't get money from us. You have to have a track record. We have to know that your business is strong and healthy. And that's who we lend to because our commitment to our investors is that we will protect their money and we will give them consistent, reliable returns. Guys, if you're interested in this and you want to come along on that journey with me and my company, reach out to me now, mike at juststartrealestate.com. I cannot wait to talk to you. The first question that I'm going to answer is actually super uh, fundamental and central to business in general, whether you're starting a business, whether you're trying to make a decision to scale your business up or make an investment in your business that's going to grow it. Maybe you're going to bring more people on. Maybe you're going to take on a business partner. Maybe you're just going to increase your marketing to try to generate more revenue. Whatever the case may be, the first question really speaks to that. And it also speaks to the person who hasn't started and done anything. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on Just Our Real Estate on this Thursday. Thank you for coming back. I'm excited to bring you another Q&A. This one comes from April 14th of this year, 2021, where we talk about risk, among other things. Also, we talk about uh, how to start a business if you don't have any money, how you get the funds, how do you do that to actually get your business off the ground. And we also dive into a little bit of Bitcoin. And I'll say right off the bat, I am not a Bitcoin expert, but somebody asked me, is Bitcoin, is Bitcoin worth it? And I give you my take on that. So I'm excited about this one. There were some other questions in there too from folks that logged in live that were really, really great. And I, th I know you're going to enjoy them, guys. So sit back and enjoy this uh, live Facebook Q&A that happened on April 14th. And by the way, if you want to log into these things live, I would love for you to do that. And I encourage it. It is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Facebook, on my Facebook page, which is Just Start Real Estate. So if you go into Facebook, search for Just Start Real Estate page. Go there at 7 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday nights, and I'll be there for you answering your questions. All right, guys, without any further delay, here you go. April 14th, 2021, Facebook Live. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. This is week two of my Q and A. This happens every Wednesday at seven p.m. Eastern time, four p.m. Pacific. Uh, next week, I will be gone though. Actually, I'm going to be out of the country. I'm going to be in Cancun, so we won't have this next Wednesday. So don't don't show up next Wednesday. I won't be here. I'm going to be actually at a at a mastermind, a real estate mastermind with the seven figure flipping group that I am a part of, and uh, we're going to be I'm going to be meeting with uh, like 150 really awesome real estate investors in Cancun talking about real estate, sharing ideas, talking about some very high level strategies for growing businesses in the real estate space. So that's going to be a ton of fun and I'm going to be there. So I won't see you guys next week, but good news is I've had questions roll in from you from last week and uh, you guys are submitting questions and I love it. If you have a question that you want answered on this Q&A on a Wednesday, shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com and put in the subject line Q&A and then I'll know what it's for and I can get it onto the show and we can put it in the appropriate, in the appropriate place. Uh, but I want to answer your questions and I, I'm just so I'm psyched that I've had questions roll in from last week. Uh, this is a lot of fun doing this live thing despite the technical problems I've had two weeks in a row, I promise you next time it's going to go smooth. Uh, but I, I have been getting questions and that's, that's the main, the main thing here. That's the name of the game. I want to answer your questions 
So again, every Wednesday, seven o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, with the exception of next Wednesday, I won't be here. But after that, we'll be we'll be on a schedule. Okay, first question that I got here, I want to answer this. Um, th- the first question that I'm going to answer is actually super uh, fundamental and central to business in general, whether you're starting a business, whether you're trying to make a decision to scale your business up or make an investment in your business that's going to grow it. Maybe you're going to bring more people on. Maybe you're going to take on a business partner. Maybe you're just going to increase your marketing to try to generate more revenue. Whatever the case may be, the first question really speaks to that. And it also speaks to the person who hasn't started and done anything. And so the question that came in was, it's actually a two-part question. It says, how did you convince your loved ones that the risk you are taking is worth it. Uh, And the second part of the question is, I'm desperate to start a business idea, but my family feels it's too risky. Okay. So I guess really this question is is for me. How did I convince my my loved ones that the risk that I wanted to take starting a real estate investing company was worth it? Um, and, And the reason why this question is so critical is I am convinced that and, and this is based off of talking to literally hundreds and hundreds of new and successful entrepreneurs in mostly real estate but in other businesses um this there's a, there's this concept that or this idea this belief by a lot of people especially newer folks newer people are newer to business that they need to know what app to use. They need to know what software to use. They just need the, the technique or the copy for their emails or for their, you know, their direct mail. And when it comes to real estate or, you know, their Google AdWords, like whatever it is, they, they feel like they need this, this one little thing and then their business will explode. And really it's not the tools so much as it is what's happening up here, right? So the question speaks to that. How did you convince your loved ones? Well, first of all, I had to believe it. And, and I'll tell you, when I started, um, and I say started, I guess I should do quotes. I, I decided I want to be a real estate investor and start my business in 2003. But I didn't actually do my first deal. I didn't buy my first property. I didn't flip my first property until 2008. So that's five years, right? I'm not a mathematician, but you know, 2003, 2008, it took me five years years to do actually what it was I decided I wanted to do in 2003. And it's because I couldn't convince myself that I was going to be able to do it, that I had what it took, that I had, you know, the, the education or I had the, the skills or whatever it is. I, I couldn't convince myself. I couldn't adequately make myself believe that I could do this so I didn't even bother talking to my family. I, I let it sit in my own head for five years before I actually even brought it up to my wife. And, and when I did, there was a period of trying to convince her. But once I decided that it was absolutely going to happen, five years went by, I beat myself up. I, I did educate myself during that period, but five years is way too long to educate yourself on how to start a business. But when I did, I finally had a game plan. When I when I approached my wife, I actually had a, an idea of what I wanted to do. And I can articulate it, and I had the passion behind it. You don't have to wait five years, but how do you convince your loved ones? Believe it yourself first. If you can't convince your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever it is, maybe it's your mom and dad if you're young and still living at home. If you can't convince them of what you want to do, it's because I don't think you believe it. You, you can't. You can't possibly believe it with all your heart and have a, a plan that you can articulate. Now, the plan part, maybe that's the part you need help with because you can convince yourself that you want to do it. And the second part of this question is, I am desperate to start a business idea, but my family feels like it's too risky. You're desperate? All right. Explain that. Explain that to them. Make them feel that desperation, right? If you, if you Let's just say, for example, if... If uh, you're trying to convince your husband that you want to start this business and you don't think he's going to be on board because it's risky or whatever, if you can convince your level of desperation, in this case, desperation about starting a business, if they don't hear that, there's bigger problems in that relationship than you just wanting to start a business. Like, If my wife comes to me and she is desperate to do something, I'm listening. 
I, I, I'm paying attention because I want to know what it is that she's desperate. Why is she so desperate to do this? What is happening inside of her? Is she that upset with what's happening that she needs to do this other thing? I want to know and I want to support that. So first of all, you have to believe it and you have to get in touch with that desperate feeling that you have and be able to express that to the to your family, the people that you love, your loved ones. But the next step is passion and excitement or whatever it is for starting that thing is really, really, really critical. But the next step right after you explain and you you kind of get that passion out there is what's the plan? You, you, need, you need some idea of what's going to happen. Now, I'm a firm believer that if you're trying to get from A to Z, you don't have to understand what's involved with the Z part, right? That, that's down the road. But you have to know how to get from A to B. And so you have to educate yourself and have a plan that's adequate to at least get you from A to B, maybe from A to B to C, right? Maybe you want to know the next couple of steps. You don't have to know everything because sometimes over-educating yourself or getting in that paralysis analysis stage, which I was in for five years, it's an excuse to not get started, right? People sometimes blame, oh, I don't know enough. I need to educate myself. Nobody argues with education. Everyone says, you know, I want to educate myself. I want to be educated in what I'm doing. It's hard to throw stones at that because it, it's just logical. Like you want to know what you're doing. You don't want to be dumb about what you're about to do, but Education is great, but it's also it can be a crutch because, frankly, there's no end to education. Everyone's I'm still educating myself. The most brilliant minds in the world are constantly educating themselves. So education is a never ending process. So it can't be it, your goal can't be to start once you've educated yourself because education never really ends for most people, especially people at high level of success. They're always educating themselves. But you have to have a plan that at least gets you from A to B. So that's where, you know, digging in, joining a mastermind. I just mentioned the seven figure uh, uh, flipping uh, mastermind is is a mastermind that I'm involved in. And, and, and that helps you kind of get that roadmap. A mentor can do that. A coach can do that. A course can do that. But you have to have something that you're, you know, some group or some course or some education that you're using to help you get from A to B. But once you understand that plan and you can articulate the, the in this case, the desperation that you feel to get those, um, to, to get that goal off the ground, that's when your family and your friends and, and everybody in your life is going to go, oh, I get it. They, they're super passionate. They have this desperate need to do this and they have a plan. And, and then that's how you do it, right? So I came to my wife with this really big passion for what I wanted to do and also a plan. I had a plan of action. And then we executed on that. And she kind of joined me in that endeavor and helped me. And, and it was great. So that's my advice to you. First of all, you have to believe it. You must believe it yourself 100%. And then you can convince your loved ones that, that you believe it and that you have a plan and you can articulate that plan. And it's very... Now, from that point, if people are just like, nah, still too risky, I still think it's a bad idea examine who you're talking to, right? Are you talking to folks who have ever taken a risk that they've ever started a business and had some level of success? And so they really have a, an objective, really credible viewpoint that they're coming from, or is it your family? And they're just thinking, I don't want, I don't want, you know, Johnny or Jane or whoever, like, I don't want you to get hurt. I, I don't want you to take a risk because I don't want you to lose money. I don't want you to fall on your face. I don't want you to like fail. And so families will, will say it sounds too risky if A, they're trying to protect you, right? Or B, they, they've, never done, they've never taken that kind of risk. So yeah, it's risky to them and they chose not to do that. It doesn't mean it's not right for you, but educate yourself, have a plan. And then if you can articulate that plan and that, that level of passion and desperation that you feel, they'll get behind you. I think they'll get behind you in most cases. And if they don't, then, then maybe you have to do it anyway. Right? I mean, you just have to do it anyway. Now, if it's a husband or wife that you're, that you're trying to convince, it's a really good idea to get them on board because it makes, it makes everything easier. Right. But if they're not standing in your way and they're just not necessarily bought in, you may have to show them, you may have to go out and do it and show them the results and get them on board that way. Um, but, you know, but if it's like parents or like, you know, family, extended family members that are telling you too risky, too risky, you know, do you want to live their life or do you want to live your life? That's what I would say. Like, live your life. Do your best to, to, to explain to them the passion. Explain to them why you must do this thing. Show them you have a plan of action to get that done. And if it's still like, nope, too risky, I think you're crazy, 
you have to decide whose life you want to live, yours or theirs. 10 years are going to go by. I said this, I think, in the last Q&A. 10 years are going to go by. You'll either take this risk, you'll, you'll either take this action and bet on yourself, or you won't. And in 10 years, you can almost be sure you know what your life is going to look like. It's probably going to look like a lot like it does today, except 10 years later. You're 10 years older, and 10 years more has gone by where you didn't, you didn't go after your dreams. Or 10 years goes by and you did take action and you either succeed or fail, but at least you know, it's not regret. Regret's the worst. You don't want regret. Regret is, I wish I would have, right? You get to the end of that and I wish I would have, that scares me. Like, honestly, regret is one of the things that gets me out of the bed in the morning, like gets me to, to start my day when I'm not feeling it or when I'm tired or when the day before was, you know, didn't go the way I wanted it to. And I had challenges and I'm a little bit like, bummed out or whatever, like the regret of not having gotten up that day and taken action and moved forward, like the thought of the regret of that 10, 20, 30 years from now, that motivates me. And it should motivate you because I think regret's the worst. Okay. Uh, I'm going to look at like some folks here, I think are coming in here and asking questions. Uh, yeah. Like Mike's got me here. Um, <laughs> Angela, I think is jealous of Cancun. Uh, it is going to be a blast. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be indoors a lot, unfortunately, masterminding, talking, collaborating, having meetings, but believe me, we'll be out in the sun too. Um, here we go. Let's see here. If I believe in my vision for starting a business, but don't have the funds, how do you get it launched? Okay, so Angela is asking, if you have a vision for starting a business, but don't have the funds, how do you get it launched? Okay, I'm going to speak for a minute because you guys are logging on to my, my Just Our Real Estate page. I'm going to assume a lot of you guys are real estate investors, so I'm going to be a little bit specific to real estate right now. Um, there's a lot of ways. M money is really never, 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 never the problem with getting a real estate business started. You think it's the problem, and that's the problem that most people will prop up and say, I would love to be a real estate investor. I don't have any money, right? If that's your answer, I, I'm going to go back to like, what is your why? What what are you passionate about? And, and how desperate are you to actually do this? Because money is not your problem, okay? There's a lot of ways you can get money. I'm going to tell you a couple of the, of the really like less sexy ways to do it. And then I'm going to give you a little bit more like how most people do it. Number one, if you really don't have any money, like, you need to examine what you're doing with your money and, and how are you saving your money? And do you have savings? First of all, if you have savings, there you go. But if you don't have savings, you need to start being a little bit more careful where you're spending your money, right? This is a little bit Dave Ramsey-esque and I'm not necessarily a Dave Ramsey follower or fan. He's a smart guy. He's a great guy. But his his approach to, to finances and his approach to real estate and his approach to life is way more conservative than mine. I tend to be a little more aggressive. But I'm sure Dave Ramsey would say, save your money, like, you know, it would be that kind of approach. Get a second job. Like, by the way, you can get a second job. If you just need to save up a bunch of money, like get a second job. I wouldn't do any of that. Okay. I'm just telling you those are options for the super conservative people in the, out there that are listening. You can save, you can have, put yourself on a savings plan, like budget, tighten down a little bit, stop spending money frivolously, get a second job. Like those are all options. Those are options I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally do myself, but that's how you can do it. Another way you can do it is borrow it. You know, if you have a family member or parents or friends or family or whatever that have money, you can borrow it, right? That's an option. If you have done a good job, but the first question was, how do you convince your loved ones? If you've expressed to them this passion, this desperation and your plan of action, how are you going to do it? And they're like behind you and they're like, hey, this is great. You really seem to know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm really excited for you. There might be an opportunity to borrow the money to get started, right? Another way to go, I, I personally didn't do that. That's not how I went about it. And you can, but you know, everyone has different levels of comfort of borrowing from friends and family. I'm not a huge fan of doing that. I, I just would rather not personally. But if you have family members that are more than willing and excited to get involved and lend you the money, by all means, go for it. Because I, I'm more a fan of do what it takes to get your business going. Do what it takes to get, to get the money outside of anything illegal, obviously, but within you know the, the confines of the legal system, do anything you can to get the money, whether that's ask your friends and family, get a second job, borrow it, whatever, like do that. 
Um, the other way you can do it is to partner with somebody. If you have a friend or, or a colleague or somebody that you know who also wants to be in real estate or in a, the, the business that you're trying to start and they want to partner with you and maybe they bring the money and that's what they bring to the partnership. And then you're doing the actual work. You're finding leads and you're negotiating contracts and you're flipping the house or whatever it is. Like if that's your part of it and their part's just bringing in the financing, that's great. So that's a great partnership. And typically when you have those kind of partnerships, the money person is typically a silent partner. They, they probably have their own career, their own job, whatever it is. And they don't have the time to invest or they don't want to invest the time in learning how to, how to do real estate. So they want to partner with somebody, they bring the money, you bring the kind of the work and, and that can work out just fine. So partnering is a good way. Banks are always an option. There are people who absolutely positively buy properties using a bank, especially for like buy and hold, they'll buy it. You, and interest rates are all time low. So buy a property, use a bank to, to purchase it, purchase it FHA or whatever. Talk to your bank. They A lot of banks have programs for investment properties and go that route. That's, that's absolutely legitimate. And I know people who have gone that route and they've built a rental portfolio and it's gone great. Um, I used a bank for my very first transaction I ever did back in 2008. I used a bank to buy the house. I used, and I flipped it. I used my own personal money, which consisted of cash and credit cards. I, I went into credit card debt for a short amount of time to flip the house that I had. And, and it went great. We flipped it. This was a 2008. So prices had really dropped, but we bought it and flipped it and, and made $15,000. And that was awesome. And then we were, to pay, we were able to pay ourselves back and we had that, that profit. And then from that point forward, I did what would be probably the number one suggestion. And now aside from banks, there's something called hard money and it's kind of like a bank. It's not, it's not as structured and doesn't have the same rules as a normal bank. Hard money lenders will typically lend you money for real estate transactions and they won't base it on your credit score or your income like a bank will. A bank's going to look at your income, your debt to income ratio, your credit score and all that. That's how they're going to decide. But a hard money lender will base it on the, 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 the value of the property that you're going to buy. So if you're buying a property at 50 cents on the dollar and you're going to renovate it, like they'll loan on a property like that because they're only looking at the, the property itself. So if you buy a property that's worth 100,000 and you want to pay 120, they won't lend on that, obviously, right? Even a bank wouldn't. But they won't look at your credit score and they won't look at your income because they don't care. They just want to make sure that the property you're buying is worth a certain amount less, usually 75% of what it's actually worth. That's what they'll lend you on it. And if, if you have questionable credit or you don't have great income or your debt's high, they don't, they don't typically care about any of that stuff. So hard money lenders. But then the last option is really the one that I prefer. It's the one that I chose to use when I got started in real estate. After I did my first deal, I used what's called a private lender. So private lenders are people, individuals, not, not banks, not institutions. They're individuals who have a certain amount of money, whatever that is, 100,000, 200,000, a million, depends on the individual. They have money that they're willing to lend for real estate purposes. So once I did that first deal, I used private money. They were local people that I had kind of a, a relationship with. They weren't friends and family necessarily. They were just people that I met at various meetups and things who said, hey, I see what you're doing. I saw the first house you flipped. Looked like you guys did a great job. I would love to fund your next deal. And then boom, off to the races. After that, I mean, for dozens and dozens and dozens of deals after that, I didn't use a dime of my own money. It was all private money. And I think that's, that's really the key. Now, private money is a little bit of a relationship game. Private money requires you to meet somebody, get to know them a little bit, they get to know you, they understand what you're doing, they kind of get a sense of your business and, and they decide that they're willing to lend you money. But it doesn't happen like, like a light switch where a bank or a hard money lender, it's, it's, very, it's not relationship necessarily because it's a bank. They're going to look at your finances and your income and the house and then they're going to make a very you know, mathematical decision. Hard money lender, same way. They're going to base it on a formula and they'll either lend you or not. You could be the biggest jerk in the world and a hard money lender will still lend you money. They don't care. It's not relationship-based. A private money lender, it's a lot more relationship-based. It, it frankly does matter that your personality because some private lenders or most private lenders, they lend because they really appreciate and believe in the person that they're lending to. They care about the asset. They definitely care about the property. Don't get me wrong. They're not blind to what they're lending to, but their lending decisions often are based 
in large part on how they feel about you and how much they believe in you. Okay. So your track record and those kind of things, those can come into play a little bit, but it's not the biggest factor. The biggest factor is you. Do you sell yourself well? And so it goes back to the first question, how do you convince your loved ones? That's number. So you convince yourself, number one, right? Then you convince your loved ones. The next step beyond your loved ones are private lenders and other business partners. Like you need to be able to convince them. You need to be able to sell yourself to them because eventually they're going to be people loaning you money. They're going to be people partnering with you and they're going to be instrumental in helping you grow your business. So having that like able that ability to convince yourself, convince your, your closest loved ones and friends will then kind of lend itself in the future to being able to convince a private lender that they should, that they should work with you. So how do you get funds? Those are all the ways that I would suggest getting funds. Uh, let's see what else. Let's make me see the questions here in the comments. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So Dave said, uh, believe in exactly what you're doing and you'll be able to explain it simply hundred percent. I could not, I could not agree more, Dave. Uh, if you totally, if you believe in it, if you believe in what you're doing, you will be able to articulate that you really will. Um, uh, Dave, this guy can help you. He brings people, um, okay, great guy. FYI, I have nothing to do with them. Good. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, cool. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate the kind words. All right, let's go on to the next question. Do you think investing, this is a funny one. Do you, do you think investing in Bitcoin is worth the risk? And how do you make investment decisions on things like this? Okay. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, I don't know a lot about Bitcoin. But here's how I decide if I'm going to do anything, right? Number one, am I excited about it? Does it, does it excite me to do it, right? Going back to that first question now, because it's such a central theme, it, am I convinced that I can do it? Do I even want to convince myself I can do it? Now, when it comes to Bitcoin, I don't. I don't want to convince myself. Now, I know that my business partner spent like a couple thousand dollars on Bitcoin a handful of years ago. And now it's worth a ton, right? So I understand that. I've heard those stories. I get it. There is money to be made in Bitcoin. And believe me, I get blown up every single day on social media of people wanting me to invest in Bitcoin. I understand that. Bitcoin, I am not passionate about. In all fairness to the stock market, I don't, I'm not passionate about the stock market either. When I first got in, what, like in 2003, when I decided I wanted to do real estate, prior to that, in 2002 and leading into 2003, I thought I wanted to invest in stocks. I wanted to get into the stock market. And that's how I was going to make, that's what my business was going to be. That's how I was going to make my money. And once I started going down that road and educating myself of how to get from A to B, right? The first couple steps, what was I going to do to be successful in the stocks? I realized not only was I not passionate about it, I, I think I'm passionate about hating the stock market. Like I really don't enjoy thinking about it, talking about it, reading about it, much less doing it. So I couldn't get myself excited about the stock market. I feel the same way about Bitcoin. Now, does that turn some people off and you're going to like you're going to you're going to x out of this this browser window because you're like this guy's an idiot, he doesn't believe in Bitcoin. I'm not saying I don't believe in it. I'm just saying it's not for me. So if you're passionate about it, it's the same formula. Get in touch with why you want to do it. Why is it so important to you? What do you love about it and why must you do it? Then Educate yourself, figure out how to get started, figure out what the steps are to get from A to B. Go to your loved ones, wife, husband, girlfriend, boy, whatever it is, and explain to them what you want to do. Get them on board and move forward. By all means, do it. I'm not excited about Bitcoin. I don't care about Bitcoin. Here's what I like about real estate. Here's why I am not psyched about the real estate. I'm sorry, about the um, stock market or about Bitcoin. I feel like in real estate, when I buy a house, I can objectively come up with a valuation for it that's based off of other houses in the neighborhood. And then the key is I can then take that asset, that house that I bought, and I can do work to it or have work done to it that will objectively raise its value. And I can prove that the value got raised by other houses in the surrounding area. And then I, I, can create that value in that house and then ultimately uh, sell it for a profit. That's why I love it so much. I can't do that with Bitcoin. I can't affect the value of that Bitcoin. It can, 
It can go to zero. It can go up. It can stay the same. I have no way of controlling that. I don't like that feeling. I've done things in business outside of real estate where I've partnered with people and I've gotten involved in companies as an investor and I've lost money. I've, I've, I've lost money in not in real estate, real estate. I've, I've always been net positive, but in other businesses that I've tried, I I've lost money because I wasn't in control. I had no control over the success and failure. I was sort of more of a passive uh, investor, a passive partner and, and I lost money. So I'm not interested in anything where I don't have some level of control. Now, do you have ultimate control in real estate? Can you control when the real estate market goes up and down? No, you can't, you can't, but depending on the kind, the kind of real estate you're practicing, the kind of investing you're practicing in real estate, you're only involved with that house for a relatively short period of time. The likelihood of house prices dropping at such a crazy astronomical rate that you completely lose money in that short amount of time. Now, I'm not talking about long-term, like, ground up construction that can take months or years. I'm not even talking about extensive rehabs that take several months or a year. I'm talking about the average fix and flip, the average wholesale deal. Like we're talking a handful of months and things don't typically go sour that fast. But um, even if they did, there's a, just a certain amount of risk that you're taking there. I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Bitcoin, I, I don't love it. I don't have any control. It's like I'm throwing money out there. Now, if you're like, I just don't want to be one of those people that don't invest in Bitcoin and I miss the wave, by all means, throw some money at it. If you have it, go for it, right? And if you're passionate about it, learn about it and make it your thing, like embrace it, like figure it out and really go for it. But if you're not passionate about it and you're doing it because you just keep hearing all these people that have made a ton of money over the last five or six years because they you know, just sort of dumb luck, bought some Bitcoin and it became worth a ton of money. I don't know. I don't think that's a, that's not a, something you can build a business around. That's just you having an idea that you missed the boat and you, you have, you know, not buyer's remorse. You have not having bought remorse and you're, you want to go back and try to fix that and you're chasing money. And, and it, that's a whole other conversation, but money is not really a sustainable, like, passion, like a sustainable uh, goal, right? So you have to you have to do something that you're going to be passionate about even when it doesn't go well. So that's my answer on Bitcoin. Probably way too long. All right, I'm going to scroll up. I think I missed some stuff. Uh, let's see. Angela asked, okay, kind of the same question about convincing your, your family. Uh, let's see here. Boom, boom, boom. How did you find... Okay, Michael uh, Busa is asking me, how did you find the mastermind you are in. Great question. Friend of mine uh, named Justin uh, is a real estate investor, or was, he's not anymore, I don't think, real estate investor in California. And he was doing just tons and tons and tons of deals, just crazy volume flipping houses in Southern California. And he was a friend of mine. I knew him. I knew his business. I, I totally knew what he was up to. And, and I knew he was in fact doing um, over a hundred flips a year in Southern California. And he decided to, uh, to start a mastermind back in 2000, late 2015, early 2016. And, um, it was a paid mastermind, uh, kind of a high ticket mastermind. And, but I knew what he was doing. I knew he was actually doing that level of volume. And I, and I knew that hooking up with a guy like that and getting involved in a mastermind where he was sharing all of his, you know, strategies and things that he was doing and just being in an environment with people who thought like I do. And but by the way, this again, goes back to the first question. I can't convince my family. They think it's too risky. Yeah. Cause they've never invested in real estate. They've never started a business, but I wanted to be around people that were in a real estate investing business. They did own that business. They did have that lifestyle. They were they were facing the same challenges that I was facing. They had the same concerns and we could kind of share in our wins and losses and challenges. Like I wanted to surround myself with people who were like me. And I didn't know anybody like me in my immediate friends and family group because nobody had started a business. Nobody had a business. Nobody was an entrepreneur. So I didn't have anywhere to turn to talk to people to get some idea that I wasn't crazy, that things that were happening to me wasn't just happening to me and that I could share these experiences with. So I joined the mastermind as a friend of mine, Justin, he started it. It's called seven figure flipping. It's still around today. Uh, you can shoot me an email at Mike at just start real estate. If you want uh, to talk about it, or if you have questions about it, 
Um, it's not for everyone. You, uh, there's two levels of the mastermind. Uh, one of them is called the altitude group. And it's for folks who've kind of have a business that's up and running and they have some level of success already. And they just want to really like skyrocket to the next stratosphere. They want to get to seven figures and beyond. And then th there's another part of that, of that whole seven figure flipping umbrella that is called the runway group. It's designed for people that are newer that really haven't done much or, or maybe haven't even done anything but they're willing to invest in themselves to learn how to build their business properly from the ground up. And they're serious about taking it to the next level and really getting to those six figure marks and beyond that. So um, just shoot me an email if you want more information, if you want to talk about it uh, at Mike at juststartrealestate.com. Okay, that's how I found them. As a big, uh, let's see, Michael Vinos asked me as a big person, as a big picture person, <laughs> How do I narrow down my why to something that is achievable? So I, I kind of have a, a little rant about the why and if it's achievable. Whys, whys are a little bit, they are big, whys are kind of big picture sort of. So there's whys and there's goals, right? I, I, I have this whole like, <laughs> I've had this whole rant about this in other, in other places. You have a why and you have a goal. Your goal is different than your why. The goal is what you're, what you're striving toward, like what you're trying to achieve. Maybe your goal is to build a million dollar business. That's your goal, right? So that's one thing. The why is sort of the engine behind that. It's, it's the gasoline. It's, it's the combustion. It's, it's what it is that fuels you to get to your goal. So the question I'm being asked here is, as a big picture person, how do you narrow down your why to something that's achievable. I think really, and maybe I'm wrong about this, and you can correct me in the comments there, Mike, if you want, but I think the goal has to be achievable. The why has to be the motivation. So let me give you a for example. For me, and I think this is a very universal theme, so I'm not really unique this way, but my why is I want freedom of time because I want to be able to be there for my family, for significant events, for things that my kids are involved in. Um, I want to have the freedom to spend my time the way I choose to spend. It doesn't mean I expect not to have to do any work or I just be lazy all day, but I want to control when and how much I work. And I want to be able to um, build something that will last beyond me and will help take care of my family specifically my kids when I'm gone. I want something that will be kind of a legacy. I want to build wealth that extends far beyond me and my lifetime. That's my why. That's why I do what I do. Okay. So that's, that's achievable, but it's big. Now my vehicle for doing that, one of my vehicles, I should say is real estate. I, I build a real estate business. I'm growing a real estate business. I'm continuing to grow businesses in that effort. So um, I started off with, I just wanted to flip houses. I wanted to get out of my nine to five. That was my first goal. I want to get out of my nine to five. I want to make enough money so that I can work for myself. And that's what I did. Once I did that, my goals shifted. They got bigger. Now I want to have a seven figure business. I want to make over a million dollars in profits. That's what I, that was my goal was, right? My why never changed. I want time. I want to be able to provide for my family in a way that is comfortable. And I want to be able to provide for my kids when I'm gone and create something that lasts beyond me. Why doesn't change? Why typically stays the same? Goals change. First, the goal is achievable. It's, it's big, but it's achievable. It's exciting for me, but it's achievable. I, I achieved it. Then the next goal, get to seven figures. I achieved it, right? So my goals grow. Every year, I re-examine my goals. And, and frankly, if you talk to anyone who's involved in my organization or knows me, my goals change every year a little bit. They shift. Priorities shift. Maybe the goals get a little bigger than they were the year before because I've gotten farther down the road. I can see farther so I can change my goals, make them a little bit bigger. The why stays exactly the same. Goals start smallish. They were big at the time, by the way. Getting out of my nine to five and making enough money to do that, that, that seemed, honestly, at the time, I would have told you, I don't need anything more than that. I'm fine once I do that. But once you do that and you kind of have that knowledge of how you got there, you can see clearly the path to go beyond that. And so I saw the path to go beyond that. And I said, well, this is great. I like this. And it's not a matter of not being satisfied or, or not being um, you know, grateful for what you have. I'm totally grateful. But if I see my ability to go beyond that, it's a little bit of a disservice to not just my family, but to me, if I don't do that. So I, I created bigger goals and I achieved them. And so every year I just re-examine and my goals get a little bit bigger. So that's how I do it. 
Um, let's see. Ba -ba -ba, ba -ba -ba. That's that. Answered that. David, there is no control in the market, be it Bitcoin or stocks. Totally true. With real estate, the key uh, word is it's real. <laughs> I like that. It's funny. That's true. It's in the word real estate. It's real. Uh, I can touch it, affect it, change it, own it. Love it. 100%, Dave. That's exactly exactly my, my thought on it. I, I have... Again, guys, we're not in control of everything in any area of our life. We have ultimate control, right? Something can happen. But I want to go into areas and I want to be involved in endeavors that I have the most control I can possibly have. And that's that's where I see real estate. Um, cool. Mike said, interesting point. Great questions. Um, I can't tell if this, uh, let's see. Mike said, I can't tell if this is making me want to invest in Bitcoin or not now. It's hilarious. I mean, honestly... I, I'll be honest with you, because I'm an entrepreneur and I have a slight amount, like hopefully a healthy amount of entrepreneurial ADD, they call it, um, it has occurred to me to invest in Bitcoin. And every time I start thinking about it, I, I automatically take my own advice. I go, well, if I'm going to invest in it, I want to be educated in it. And I start going down that path. And then it doesn't take long before my uh, boredom and impatience takes over. And I go, I, I don't even care. Like, I don't even care. I even started, guys. Nobody knows this. Nobody, nobody knows this. I even created an account that would allow me to purchase Bitcoin. I got that far down the road one day because I was so excited about it. And then I stopped. Like, I created the account and never did anything more. And I, I honestly don't even know how to log into the account anymore. It's like, I just, I know I don't care enough to really go through with it. But if you really, really must because you're so desperately afraid that it's going to blow up and you're going to miss the boat then put a reasonable amount of money, something you don't care, like just like you would do if you go to Vegas, if you're a gambler, right? You bring a hundred bucks, you bring a thousand bucks, you bring five, whatever it is you bring. You're willing to lose it, just put it in there, right? But if you do that and doing that means you can't start your business because you put your money into Bitcoin and now this thing that you're passionate about, you can't do, then, then don't do it, right? But take a couple hundred bucks and throw it in that direction and see what happens if you really want to do that. Okay. Um, let's see. Next question. Can you legitimately find, find properties to wholesale on the MLS? David, that's a really good question. The short answer is anything's possible. The long answer is I have averaged over the last five years, uh, six years now, almost I've averaged about a hundred wholesale deals a year. Um, I don't know if any of them have been off the MLS because it's next to impossible, in my opinion, to wholesale deals on the MLS. I've heard people say you can do it, that they're doing it. I don't know. I, I would say if you're asking me, like if we're having a conversation one-on-one, -on -one, we're on the phone or whatever, Zoom, and, and you're like, hey, man, I want to do this and I want to try to find them on the MLS. What do you think? I'd say, don't bother. Don't just, that's not the way that that you're going to find deals and build a business and wholesaling is going off the MLS. It just isn't. Now, if you're a house flipper, Certainly. But even that on the MLS, it's really tough because the MLS is just so hot and you have so many eyeballs on the MLS. It's very, very difficult. The competition almost prohibits you from, you know, certainly buying a house to wholesale is not going to happen probably, but buying a house to flip, it's, it's tough too, right? So um, wholesaling off the MLS, I would steer clear. I don't think that's the way to go. Matter of fact, I know it's not the way to go. I'm, I'm being soft about it. Don't do it. Just that's not the way to go. Um, let's see. Thanks for explaining the difference in goals and your why. Thank you. Yep. No problem. You're, you're awesome. Um, but, but the MLS is not a horrible place to look for deals. It's one of those things where I think the MLS is, it's one of the tools in the toolbox. It doesn't happen to be right now, the most effective tool in the world, but it's there. Like, don't, 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 uh, ignore it because looking on the, especially I'm talking mostly for like flipping or, or buy and hold like, uh, rentals. The MLS is there, you know, spend a small amount of time, maybe every day, every other day, once a week looking on the MLS, but it, the market is so hot right now. It's, it's going to be next to impossible to find deals on the MLS, in my opinion, in most markets, right? Every market's different. Some markets, it'll be absolutely impossible and other markets, it'll be really, really hard. But I think that's the scope we're talking like impossible and very, very hard. I don't think there's any market out there that I have ever heard of where right now in the MLS, it's like, yeah, no problem. You can find great deals. And by the way, I'm talking about finding a really good deal. I'm not talking about buying a house. You can buy houses on the MLS all day long, but buying a house is not the same as buying a good investment property. 
Okay. You don't want to overspend. So, and even when you're buying hold, some people think you can spend a little bit more and it's okay. I overspent, but you know, I'm going to count on a pre like don't count on appreciation. Like try to find whenever you're looking for a deal, whether it's a, a rental or a fix and flip or wholesale, whatever, look for, look for something that actually makes sense right now today to today. It makes sense. Don't plan on it making sense tomorrow or 10 years from now. Like it should make sense today. Right. Let's just not put ourselves in a corner here. Okay. Next question. Let's see. Do you think investing? Oh, oh I already got that one. Uh, okay. Last last question I have here, unless people pop them down into the chat. What uh, what kind of real estate investing is best? Fix and flip, rentals, or wholesaling? Okay. So we've talked a little bit about that already. So I assume everyone knows. Um, fix and flip is is house flipping, right? You buy a house you renovate it and then you sell it for more than you paid for it, right? That's that's flipping and you make money. Um, rentals, everything everyone knows what rental is, you buy a house, you put a renter in it, you collect rent and hopefully what you spent on it and what you owe on it, taxes and any cost of money or anything is less than with the money that you're making on it as a rental. Um, that's where a lot of people get in trouble, by the way, rentals. They try to buy rentals in an, in an appreciating market and they just assumed it'll appreciate and it might, right? But I don't. I don't think it's a, a smart thing to necessarily always count on tons of appreciation. Make sure it cash flows. In my opinion, make sure it cash flows today, and and not like, hey, we're losing a hundred dollars a month, but in ten years it'll be worth it. Like, don't don't invest that way. In my opinion. Um, and then the last one is is wholesaling. So if you don't know what wholesaling is, very very quickly, wholesaling is. I find a property that is for sale and I get it under contract for sale, and I take that contract, that purchase and sale agreement I have with the seller, and I assign it to an end buyer who's typically going to be a landlord or a fix and flip investor. And I get, I get paid that finder's fee basically in the middle. I, I take that contract. I, I essentially sell it to the end buyer and they pay me a fee for finding that deal. That's what wholesaling is. And that's what my company does a, a ton of actually. We do flips. Uh, I have rentals. I have a, a rental portfolio, but we do a lot of wholesaling and wholesaling is really sales and marketing. You are, you know, they say in the, in the, in the gold rush days, um, the, the people, the folks, the companies that made the most money were the ones that sold the picks and the axes, not the people who were actually like mining for gold. Although, you know, some of them made money, but in general, the people selling the ticks, the, the picks and the axes are the ones who, who made the money. So wholesaling in the real estate investing world is, are the people selling the picks and axes. Like we're finding the deals for the landlord and for the fix and flip person. So they don't have to, they can spend their time doing what they do best. We spend time finding deals and, and everyone sort of wins. So that's, that's how wholesaling works. Now, which one is best? I, literally, I could speak until you know midnight, but there is no best. The best one is the one that makes sense for you. I started off as a, as a fix and flip uh, investor. That's what we did. My wife and I, we, we, were, we were buying houses and flipping them and, and making profit and moving on to the next one. And that, that worked. But what I found was I'm, I'm very impatient and, and I've taken enough self-assessment tests to know that one of my traits, and I'm not going to call it an asset or a negative. It's just, it's a fact. I'm impatient. I don't like waiting. So even waiting four to six months for a house to flip was aggravating, frustrating for me. I wanted it to move faster. And so the first time I did a wholesale deal where I got something under contract, I found a buyer, a house flipper who wanted that house. And I charged them a little bit to sell them that deal. And I made money. Like I, I made the money in like two, three weeks. And, and that, that quick turnaround was really, that jazzed me up that I was passionate about that. So I switched my model. So it's, it's not that wholesaling is better than fix and flip. You know, fix and flip typically have bigger profits, bigger paydays. When you do flip a house, you make more on that one flip than you would on any one wholesale deal. There are exceptions, obviously, but that's in general, that's how it works. Um, and then rentals usually are a much, much slower long-term gain. Like a lot of rentals in a lot of parts of the country, if you have $100 positive cash flow after all expenses are paid, $100 a month per door, that's considered you know, a solid, a solid rental, whether it be an apartment building or house, that's solid. Now, some, some parts of the country, you can make two, three, four, five, 600 or more a month on each door. But in a lot of places, a hundred dollars, 150, maybe 200 bucks a door is really, really solid, right? Well, you can imagine unless you have, you know, dozens and dozens of these, that that's not a huge impact on your life. It's a slower drip. So people accumulate rentals over time so that eventually they have, you know, 10, 20, 30, 100, 1,000 rentals. And then that makes sense. Obviously, it's not quick. It's not quick money, right? So rentals, super long-term, fix and flip, 
you know, we're talking a handful of months and wholesale happens much, much faster. The paydays are a little bit smaller on a wholesale than a flip, but if you do enough of them, right, then the volume makes up for it. So it really depends on what your tolerance is for that speed factor, how urgent it is for you, how much, um, how much impatience you have. And then also like your time wholesaling and flipping are just different businesses. They, they require different people sitting in different seats. There's different trouble or challenges. There's different things that have to be done. And so, you know, it just depends on how much time you have, um, your access to money or your willingness to go raise money. We talked about that earlier. Where do you find money for your deals? Well, wholesaling, you don't need money to buy the house. You might need money to find houses using marketing techniques, but you don't need money to buy the house, right? In flipping, you need money to buy the house. So if you're not interested in raising money or borrowing money or using your own money or whatever, then maybe flipping isn't good for you. But if you're the kind of person who really enjoys taking this house that's sort of ugly and renovating it and creating this beautiful product that people walk through and they love it and then they buy it and it's their first house and they're excited and they raise a family and you get to think, I created that thing. I took that ugly duckling and made it this beautiful swan. If that's what you like, then flipping might be for you. That might be what you what you should be doing. In wholesaling, there's nothing like that. You don't get this. You see the first, you see the unfinished product. You see the house, right? A lot of times, but you don't see the finished product because you, you sell it off and you move on to the next one. So if that's sort of a bummer for you, you really want to see that transformation, then maybe flipping is for you. But if you're like, you know what? I just want, I want like money coming in every month, whether I'm working for it or not, I want, and I'm willing to like take time to build up that portfolio, then maybe rentals are, are for you. Right. So there's no, there's no best and worst. It's just, what, what are you trying to accomplish? What are your goals? Right. What, what is it you want? What's your, why, how soon do you need it? You know, if you're, if you're 90, uh, rentals might not be the way to go. It sounds terrible. Kind of, you know, kind of like depressing, but listen, if you have time on your side, if you're 20 years old and you want to build like wealth over time that eventually will like eclipse all of your income and there'll be this residual income coming in and you can travel the world and not ever work again. Maybe rentals is what you should look at, right? That might be for you. If you need to make $100,000 in the next year or two, probably you should be flipping or maybe wholesaling, you know, and do going that route. So it really depends on what your goals are and how quickly you want to get there. Okay. So that, that would be my answer. There's no, there's no better or, or worse in my opinion. Let's see. Um, bah, bah, bah. Thanks for explaining the difference. Great. Okay. It looks like we hit the end of our questions on, on the comments. I hit the last of the questions that I want to get tonight, guys. One more reminder. I will not be here next week. I'm going to be in Cancun with the Seven Figure Flipping Group, the Mastermind. I'm going to be talking with some of the coolest real estate investors from around the country. I'm super excited about that. Um, I, I always come back from those events just like even more charged up and enthused and excited about my business. And I can bring all that stuff to you guys. And I'll share with you uh, any tips or any things that I learned on the, on the trip and anything that I'm super excited about implementing my business. I'll bring that to these Q and A's, but by all means, over the next couple of weeks, send in your questions to Mike at just our real estate and I will get them answered. I'll be back two weeks from today, seven o'clock uh, Eastern time, four o'clock Pacific come with your questions, guys. I'll see you then. Until then, get out there and make it happen for yourself. All right. We'll see you next time, guys. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.